Welcome to part three of our continuing conversation with Dr. Fred Moss, who understands that diagnoses separate people from themselves. One of the tattoos I have, Dr. Fred, it says, uh, do no harm. So I often ask people, I say, predicate your choices on, am I doing any intentional harm to anyone or anything? And if mm -hmm. you can honestly answer that question, no, then I tell them, do as you choose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, um, people attribute that phrase to the Hippocratic Oath, but it isn't actually where it comes from. And um, it's more, it's almost more biblical. It's more human. It's more like, you know, can you live a good life? And, and if you really want to know how to get a, live a good life, then live off that phrase, see how things go for a while. And if it doesn't work for you, then you can start doing harm again if you want. But in the meantime, if you can live a life for a little while where your most important self-statement is to first not do harm, um, you get a life that actually does work a little bit better anyways. A life where, you know, when you do do harm and you notice that you've already been you've already committed yourself to not doing harm, then if you use proper access to restoring yourself after hurting another person, uh, something they also teach in the 12-step program and other places, the opportunity exists to reset even after doing harm. And so doing harm to another person isn't, isn't, isn't going to be entirely insulated by telling yourself not to do harm. But one thing that is available is to reset after you do harm to another person intentionally or inadvertently. Well, that's what the 10 step says. Uh, continue mm -hmm. to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Exactly. But I always tell people that say, saying I'm sorry means you're not going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Saying apologizing um, from the heart and, and, you know, and then cleaning up the mess that, uh, that was created by you being out outside of what was expected from you um, can and should in my world anyways, be followed with a commitment with an overt um, vocal audible commitment that you have no intention whatsoever of doing that again. We deal, I deal with so many people, uh, Dr. Fred, that call them that, that I call serial apologists that mm -hmm. apologize for most ever. I'm sorry for taking up your time. Uh, I'm mm -hmm. sorry. For, can I sit down here? I'm sorry. I did this. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I did that. What I generally try to tell people, Dr. Fred, is no more stories. You're not a mistake. Uh, mm -hmm. This authentic self thing that you talk about is, I think, so incredibly important, particularly with young ladies who I've found generally lose their self-concept and self-esteem around the age of nine years old. It's, it's heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. And, you know, many people, you know, many people don't see themselves as being... Um, substantial enough to step into a conversation. I too sometimes feel that way. It's not unique to nine-year-old girls and any stretch of imagination. And in fact, you know, big high-powered men have difficulty with it as well. And um, the idea here is that, you know, um, like saying what, what really matters, uh, you know, stepping into saying what really matters takes courage. And if you have lost that courage, if you are pretty sure that what you're going to say is an intrusion, then apologizing before you say it seems to be some sort of strange self-protective effort that simply doesn't work either. It's just as absurd as the last one I said. And, 
you know, really lead this serial apologist is uh, someone who's um, oftentimes just just not paying attention to the fact that, like all of us, uh, when it comes your time to speak or do something, it's okay. You have the space and you can. At least that's how it's going up until now. This, the biggest threat in the world is that we're actually giving up our true voice and even bigger than the other threats which are here, which are uh, quite substantial anyways, including the possible start of World War III anytime soon or, uh, you know, this crazy pandemic or, you know, global warming or um, sex trafficking or racism. You know, there's lots of big problems in the world. And uh, I would say sort of like what you said about smoke out of the first floor. It's like if a city was burning, but the, there was such there was traffic jams inside uh, on a way to the city, uh, the fire so that the fire trucks couldn't get into the city to put out the, the flames then it turns out that the traffic jam is actually way more critical than whether or not the city is burned. I find that uh, so many people are dealing with minds of uncertainty, Dr. Fred. And these minds of uncertainty, particularly in the times and the situations that you're talking about, leads to minds of anxiety, worry, and fear. And I find that fear is one of the most fundamental emotions that people feel. Uh, hmm. how, do you, how do you deal with helping people recognize and, and deal with their fear? Hmm. Yeah, fear sure does seem to be a perpetual, ongoing, uh, simple, and automatic part of the human experience. Um, I've looked at fear pretty strong. In 2006, I did a, a, a quite a deep look at, at the concept of fear and, and broke it down to five different components and how it all worked together. I'm not going to bring that up necessarily the fear theory uh, forward now. Sure. Because I think the real thing is that most fears are related to our extremely absurd fear of death. Um, why do I say that's absurd? Well, because it's actually the only thing in life that's inevitable, and it just seems like a bad choice to choose that to be the thing you're most afraid of. You know, it's just like, how, how is it that the only thing in life that's inevitable became the thing we're most afraid of? That's mm -hmm. just a bad combination. And most of our fears, if you just take it out a couple of derivatives, are really the fear of being killed or dying. And um, uh, if we can start looking at fears of being also part of this experience, you can proceed in fear or you can back off in fear. And both of them still leave fear there. So if you have a choice of fear uh, by doing what it is you want or fear by not doing what it is you want, and there's going to be no difference in the outcome, ultimately, you're going to have fear either way, then fear can't be used effectively as a deterrent to do that which you really want, even inside of our silly monkey reasoning. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, George Adair said that everything that we want is on the other side of fear. And uh, trying to, I find that most people are time travelers, uh, mm -hmm. Dr. Fred. Frequent flyer miles to the past and the future with brief layovers in the present. Mm -hmm. yeah, I like that. One of the, uh, the, the, actually the first tattoos I got, you probably can't see it now. This says, I'm right here and it is right now. So sometimes I'll ask people what time it is and they'll look at our watch or whatever. And I'll say, what time is it always correctly? Yeah. Try to help. Yeah, so. Yes. Go ahead. No, no, please. Uh, I just, I, I deal with time traveling people constantly. Yeah. 
Yeah, this whole idea of resentments and regrets or things that happened in the past we have no access to or things that might happen in the future that we cannot predict at all. Uh, we get, we're, we're, it's almost uh, back to the fault of the school and the fault of the number line um, that we get to think that there is a sort of a standard linear progression through the past to now and then into the future. Well, Dr. Uh, Dr. Fred, I think you're absolutely delightful. And uh, we don't want to take up a whole lot more of your time. However, we're going to impose upon you that perhaps sometime in the future we could uh, continue our conversation, particularly. And uh, I want to talk more about inviting joy into your life, making choices, and uh, the creative eight, the type of action and effort that you help people incorporate in their life to push forward. Yeah. Thank you so much. And you really, the other, you know, the most recent book I wrote is uh, also interesting. It's called Find Your True Voice. And that's the next iteration. That's the one that I think is closer to really, uh, really pointing out some of the things we've already touched on in this conversation. That's the one I'm, I, I would say that I'm presently most proud of. And I'm going to offer it to your listeners to they get it for free if they uh, go to uh, make it the actual book now. We're not talking about an audio book. The actual book, which is they go to findyourtruevoicebook.com. And you should do that if you're interested, if anything I'm saying is resonating with you, if you want to learn a little bit more about how I got to where I got to and how I think what, how I think. And really how it is that you're thinking how I think, right? <laughs> like, because there's that too. Um, I'm not saying very much that's controversial, am I? There's not, ultimately, I'm really not. I, uh, I'm i saying things that we knew as children that got lost. And then, you know, really, I'm going back to my own playpen and finding out what I already knew back then. So there's Find Your True Voices there. And uh, also the We the People Summit that I referenced, which is, the summit that's coming up where we are um, taking 20 to 24 influencers, putting them together and um, really creating a, an extravaganza, if you will, uh, a, a podcasting, almost like a podathon, where we're going to interview them and have you see that uh, they're inspirational, who they've become as an inspiration is simply a function of them bringing their true voice, authentic message forward, and then broadcasting it effectively using their proper or their supposed best self-expressive techniques and, you know, creating a community around that because that's all that's necessary to be an influencer. And we are all influencers inside that definition. It's just a matter of putting our foot down and, and saying and being something that we know we stand for. Well, we'll certainly be looking forward to uh, listening to that. And at the end of every podcast, Dr. Fred, we offer a free prescription fruits, nuts, and vegetables, and unplug your television and take mm -hmm. up fishing. And for a truly mindful experience, we suggest that you fish without bait. I saw that. And we say, do a kindness for another and do a kindness for yourself. Mm -hmm. Forgive yourself and forgive another. Till all are free, none are free. Namaste. Mm -hmm. Namaste. Beautiful. Please check out our website at fishingwithoutbait.com, where you can listen to the show comment on our discussions, and find out where you can subscribe to our podcast. If you're interested in flying the colors of Fishing Without Bait, click the shop icon on our website. We have clothing, mugs, cell phone cases, and so much more. Show the world that you fish without bait. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network. Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.